And good morning to all of you listening to this Talking Flutes Extra podcast. This morning I'm in the north of London at a breakfast and brunch bar looking forward to meeting a good friend of mine called Theo Travis, sax and flute player extraordinaire. I first met Theo many years ago when I was at Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club and he was playing the saxophone and on his stand next to him in one of the sets I saw a concert flute and an alto flute and then was really amazed at how he managed to go from the tenor sax to the concert flute to the alto flute and then back immediately without losing any tonal structure or beauty in any of his sound and we've become buddies ever since so a bit of information on Theo he's born in Birmingham and for those of you who don't live in the UK that's the middle of the UK and moved to London in 1992 where he soon established himself as one of the finest tenor sax players on the British jazz scene he has led his own jazz quartet for over 20 years and recorded 10 albums as leader having composed, arranged and produced the material he has appeared at the legendary Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club in London over 75 times now if any of you are into jazz and come to London then Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club it's a bit like Blue Notes in New York is one of the places you have to visit He's increasingly known as one of the top saxophone and flute players in the world in progressive music and has appeared as featured soloist on over 120 albums. With guitarist Robert Fripp, he formed Travis and Fripp in 2007 and in 2015 he joined the legendary Pink Floyd band member David Gilmour's band for the Rattle and Lock Tour. In 2014 he wrote his first book, Twice Around the World, a diary of blogs from the Stephen Wilson World Tours of 2012 and 13, and has also appeared as a walk-on artist in film and TV, such as Notting Hill, The Bond Movie, Die Another Day, and Foyle's War. In short, he's another one of these polymaths that I tend to have habit of finding. Now, a polymath is somebody that is very, very good in a multitude of disciplines, and Theo is just one of these. He lives in London with his wife, son, 16 saxophones and boxes and boxes of flutes. Right, I've been joined at a table by Theo Travis, the guy that I've been travelling up to Finchley to see this morning. Good morning, Theo. Good morning. Nice to see you again. Yeah, poached eggs and coffee, the usually. Yep, lovely. Poached eggs on toast. Very nice coffee here, Finchley, the house, recommended. Very yeah, the, uh, the owner seems to know you very well. Yes, well, we're here a lot. This is our go-to place for brunch uh, and coffee. Any, any tips on the best sort of food? Uh, veggie breakfast, coffee, that's all you need really. <laughs> <laughs> it's been some time, what have you been up to? Um, been quite busy with various projects, in particular uh, with Robert Fripp, there's a new three CD set called Between the Silence, um, which is drawn from three live concerts, two in churches and one at the Bath Fringe Festival, that's come out, and alongside that um, been developing a set of three apps uh, which are now actually out on the Apple App Store, uh, developed with Peter Chilvers, who's a composer and music software designer who works with Brian Eno a lot. And they're very interesting because it's a combination of flutes, well, mainly alto flute, and a bit of soprano saxophone and Robert Fripp's guitar. And the apps work um, so that when 
they're triggered, you get a unique performance each time. The, the flutes and the guitars are all separate and the various algorithms make them play in different permutations and computations. So you get, as I say, a unique kind of performance each time um, it's launched. So that's kind of interesting and some beautiful visuals that have been developed for that too. And then the Soft Machine uh, album and tour, so we've been recording and mixing and that's just about to come out and we're about to tour the world, which is very exciting. Do you ever get time off? <laughs> yes, I sometimes come to the house in Finchley for a coffee and a brunch. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it? And that's it, yes. Uh, sleep occasionally. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been quite busy and I, I do also uh, do quite a bit of education work and teach uh, the up and coming generation about flutes and saxophones and improvisation and and wow. writing as well. I, I do quite a lot of writing and music I'm at home. I've got a studio there. So. Well, a lot of people will know you as a sax player. Indeed, you are known as a sax player. At least I first met you as a sax yes, player. However, I, to my shock and horror, <laughs> <laughs> when I heard you play the flute, you, there, was a, there was a balancing act there that you were actually outrageously just as good on the flute as you were on the saxophone. Um, well, actually, it's very interesting, because I, I did start as a child on the flute and went through the grades as a child on the flute. And then I only started the saxophone aged about 15 when I joined the first rock band, Fundamental Furniture, <laughs> with a bunch of friends at school. <laughs> Fundamental Furniture. Fundamental Furniture, yeah, Birmingham, Moseley, that's where we used to do our little gigs in the pubs and clubs. Um, and so I got into the saxophone, I went to uni to do flute, but I had a strange crisis of embouchure after my first term at Manchester University studying flute and it went all wobbly and I lost it completely and I actually gave up flute and transferred to saxophone which, and I studied at the Royal Northern and I'd, I don't think I played flute for eight, nine years at all and just worked on the saxophone and then later on I was playing in an African band in London and we thought, you know what, a little flute solo might be nice so I, I dug it out, my old boozy and hawks <laughs> and played it and, and from then on it was a kind of bit of a trajectory I worked on it more and started to enjoy it more and then occasionally brought it out for one number on a jazz gig and, and then I got into the whole kind of you know um, sort of ambient world and playing with pedals and sustained things and the more I got into the flute the more I enjoyed it and the more people commented about it and it, it kind of added something uh, you know, interesting to the sound palette I was doing, and I've got more and more into it over the last 10, 15 years, and now I think of myself as much a flute player as a saxophone player again. And you have it on stage with you most of the time? Anyway, most of the you? time, yes. It's quite rare I'll do a gig without the flute now. So that, that brings us on to the album, which you spoke briefly about a minute ago, and which is sat in front of me. Mm -hmm. Sat or placed? <laughs> <laughs> placed in front Poised. of me. Poised. Poised, yes. yes. Three CDs. Yeah, now three for the a, price of one. I think yeah, that's that the plan. unusual combination. Why three? Well, there's been a few Travis and Fripp albums out, and the, the record label actually thought it would be nice to release something to keep uh, the sound of the band, if you want to call it, or the duo, um, you know, out there. But there's been a few, uh, several releases. So he, he's been doing this um, sort of budget package, really where you can put three for the price of one and release it as a, I guess, a cheaper, more valued release. So he was up for that, and um, it seemed a good idea. The, some of the concerts have been already available, either as a download through the DGM Live site or a limited edition vinyl, but this way it's, a, as I say, a package of the three CDs. It's a different audience. It gets it out to more people, so I was quite happy to do it, and it's 
come out as a nice set and been well received as well. So it's yeah, a really interesting dynamic in which to listen to the alto flute being played. Well, I do particularly enjoy playing the alto flute. I've got two Trevor James alto flutes actually, <laughs> the recital and the masters, and I do play them both actually um, because it's. Because it's got such a warm and deep sound, um, it's still clear, um, but it's not quite as pokey, is that the right word, as a regular concert flute? It's not quite as... It goes under the, the radar. It, it goes nice under the radar. It's just kind moment. of... It's more of a kind of bed carpet sometimes, especially when you layer them. So when you've got... I put it through the various foot pedals and there's a, there's a whole kind of texture of... You know, four alto flutes playing chords. It's it's sort of softer than a concert flute when you have four or five concert flutes, especially in the higher register. So I find that kind of warmth and slightly mysterious sound works very well in the in the in the layering. And also when I mix it or when it's mixed uh, together with some soundscapes on guitars, it just makes yeah warm texture, which I find particularly appealing. Well, I do obviously play concert flute a lot and some bass flutes, but. That register of the alto flute I find particularly uh, enjoyable and appealing. So the Between the Silence album is just full of these layers that you put together mm-hmm. with Robert. Is there a text? Is there a script for Robert to play? Or does no, he just... um, no. It's uh, yes. Yeah, so I'm playing largely textures on the alto flute, layers of alto flute, and he's playing largely layers of soundscapes on guitar. So it will be guitar, but. Perhaps not guitar as one would know it, because, as I say, it's kind of soundscape, so it feels just like pads almost, almost synth pads, but with you know warmer and more um, harmonic content than one might have. Um, is there a script? No, the, the plan is anything from free improvisation to, we quite often work to harmonic areas, so there'll be a very broad idea of maybe... Um, diminished or he calls it symmetrical um, scale area or a certain type of minor scale or major or whole tone or whatever but it'd be quite broad but within that we would kind of have a way that we work off each other so there would be specific shapes and patterns and feels to uh, individual tracks but it wasn't really to a script it was the script was really listen to the other person and make some music. Now, it may sound very contemporary to our audience. However, when you sit and listen to it, it is the most beautiful, relaxing music where if you just allow yourself not to think, when you, this music comes in, it just takes you on a different journey. Well, I mean, that's great that you say that and I'm very pleased that it has that effect. And, and uh, you know, that, that to me is is success really because although yes there is a lot of harmonic thinking in, in what goes on in our heads and there's a, certainly a lot of technology that goes on under our feet that's not really of any relevance at all to anyone and the important thing is just the sound that comes out and if it can if it can uh, have an emotional impact or have a feel to it um, and you know, ideally like you said then that's great and that's what we want and um, it kind of doesn't matter how we make the music I think what's important is how it makes one feel when one responds to it and generally the response has been very good and people find it has some 
emotional impact um, in a kind of calm way and in this crazy world we live in a bit of calm emotional sound apart from the title you don't give a narrative which again is quite interesting is that you allow that person I mean this album is called Between the Silence that says it all really so there is no narrative that you give apart from the title of each track no, no, there's no narrative it is really a, a kind of sonic version of silence in a way a personal space, a time to just, I mean some people say it's slightly meditative in its uh, kind of sound world two of the three concerts were performed in churches and again it's interesting when you play in a church or when an audience hears something in a church, you're in a different headspace and you kind of you know, because of what churches are you're, you're going to feel a little bit calmer or respectful or meditative and I think that's uh, impacted on the music as well. So basically the, the sound and the, the, the space that we played and the headspace of the audience hopefully kind of joins together in this kind of uh, you know, calm, peaceful headspace that doesn't have a particular narrative. You make your own narrative or whatever thoughts are going through your head at the time as a combination of what they're hearing and how they're feeling and the space in which they're in um, you know, makes it... A specific thing. Travis and Fripp, Between the Silence, three CDs. Where do they people get hold of it? Yeah. Um, the easiest thing is either my website, theotravis.com, or um, DGM Live, which is sort of central place for Robert Fripp's uh, recordings and King Crimson. Uh, and no doubt it's on Amazon, so you can always just go to Amazon. Now, I must praise you, as usual, for your album covers. Take a completely different route. That's somebody coming into this restaurant just to prove that this is an active, active coffee house. Um, I do love your album covers because you go off piste every time you go off piste. And um, this one is green. This is green, yes. Well, to be crass, I've done an orange one and I've done a brown one and I've done a white one. So I did a kind of orangey one for this. And they said, no, you've done an orangey one. So green is kind of nice because it, there's a lot of um, sort of stone and statues and sort of gargoyles and I just thought there's a kind of earthiness to green and it kind of works in a pastoral way so it just uh, was I mean you look at it and it's, it's textural it's textural that's right it's textural which you know re- hopefully reflects the music as well so yeah it's a kind of lush darkish green is there anything you can't do <laughs> you are a genuine polymath, aren't you, Theo? Not very good with technology. <laughs> so I, I, I'm really looking forward to listening to this when I get home. You've kindly given one for David Crumey, one of our flute technical team, who is an avid fan. Uh-huh. And of course, you have to sign it before I take it okay. away. Happy to happy do that. Otherwise. Happy to do that. Right, this app. This app excites me. You've, you've briefly shown me this app. Yes. And what I can say is, normally with an app. Um, you listen to a track and it stops exactly one of the things that uh, David Singleton who's the kind of publisher from DGM Live he said uh, he was excited by this because he for 20 years has been trying to free the music from the fixed frozen recording idea he has for years wanted to have something in between a live performance and a recording whereby the recording wasn't fixed obviously generally you record something it's recorded and you play it back and it's the same the second time as it was the first time because it's recorded. He liked the idea of something that was semi-living or breathing or different each time. 
and um, this is what we've kind of done with the app so that each time it's launched it is different it's a unique performance of music each time so uh, we've we've achieved this by separating out all the Travis sound clips and the Fripp sound clips and Peter Chilvers who's the clever guy who sorted out all the technology and the basically the way it works um, has designed uh, the apps so that through various algorithms the flutes on one side and the guitars and soundscapes on the other side, on the other side uh, play at different times and different combinations to make it unique each time and what I had to do was source all the various clips so that everything works together in whatever combination it comes in so I have to think a little bit broadly about harmonic areas and what pieces will work with others and what don't work with others and although it sounds quite complicated actually what you do is you just press go and let it play on and on and on and you can play it forever you could let it play for 12 hours if you wanted to and there are three different apps actually all in different keys and different moods which again gives you a little bit of variety of flavour so you can have this app going on as a background as a meditation in Pilates in yoga yep as long as you like I like you can just let it play and let it play and and the different bits of flute and different bits of guitar will come around in different combinations and there'll be sometimes there's occasional gaps between them little moments and yeah it just keeps it a little bit fresh and you know frees the recording from the frozen idea of being a recording so it's kind of quite interesting like that right app store where is yeah it? you just go to the apple app store it's not on android it's just apple the reason is and some people have asked because the whole technology behind Android is completely different to Apple's and it will be a whole different rewriting of the technology. So you go, to, you have to go to the Apple App Store and you just type in Travis and Fripp and it will appear, either three of them individually or you can buy them as a bundle. Um, and I was going to say something else but I've forgotten what it was. This totally excites me just because <laughs> in my office I have music going on all the time. And... I write playlists. I have playlists from which are in my Spotify playlist right. or um, Apple Music playlist. But sometimes I'm not in the mood for particular right. that playlist. Right. So for me, having to get up or get my phone out and change yes. the playlist is a pain. This could be music going on that that would really sort of. It was not say it's background music, but it just enable me to concentrate to work, but also meditate should I want to. Yeah, well, one of the things I like about, I mean, I, you know, I obviously enjoy this music a lot, but one of the things I think is interesting, and I think a couple of people have said, is that there's a lot of detail going on, in that, both in the harmonic areas and some of the melodic areas, because obviously having a flute and saxophone, there is some melodic content, it's not just textual. But So there's a lot of detail, but at the same time, you can just ignore it, and it can just be a sound that has an atmosphere that's quite calm, and you can just let it wash over you. So hopefully it's... It's as ignorable as it is interesting. And that's music in, as a whole, though, isn't it? Because you don't want to be grossly involved in something. Well, if you're doing something else, away. yes, yes. I mean, it, it, is, it is music that I, hopefully I think will work. As you say, it can be background, but it can be foreground. There are there's, you know, some music demands to be listened to with one's full attention, although these days it probably pumps through some, you know, in somewhere as background anyway but you do a lot of, you do a lot of work that is meant to be listened to I mean soft machine is yes, meant to be listened yes. to soft machine is not background no, <laughs> that's true that's true although I have actually snuck on at the end of the album an alto flute layered textual track 
with some wind chimes and stuff, which is very much... And you got away with that. And I got away with it, and they liked it. Yeah. So, again, feeding in the old layered alto flute soundscape thing. I can't leave it alone, basically. <laughs> I do like it. Well, I'll be downloading the apps when I get home tonight. Tell me briefly, I was very impressed. You went on tour, tour a couple of years ago with the great Dave Gilmore, Pink Floyd. What was that Yes. Like? Well, to be frank... It was a childhood dream come true. <laughs> I've been a Pink Floyd fan since I was in short trousers. And um, I was basically had been away seeing a couple of friends in Derbyshire for the weekend. And we stopped at a motorway services for a coffee on the way home. And on my, I just checked my phone and there was an email on my phone. Hi, Theo. David Gilmore here. Can you give me a call when you have a minute? <laughs> So I obviously assumed it was someone having a bit yes. of a laugh. And then, of course, I realised there was no phone number next to the email. And there was another email two minutes later. Sorry, should have left my phone number. Silly me. Give me a call when you can. Anyway, I, I was actually waited till I got home when I calmed down. And I called him. And, yes, that was it. I was basically doing um, part of a European tour. And we rehearsed in Brighton for a couple of weeks. And it's partly the new album, his new album, Rattle That Lock. And partly all those classics like Shine On Your Crazy Diamonds, Money, Us and Them. And I was standing about three feet away from him. And I had to pinch myself because I know those, I know those songs, I know those saxophone solos, I've known them forever. And he's the nicest of men and he's a, he's, he's a lovely person and the band was great. And it was it was it was a it was a treat and it was a joy and I got to play those famous saxophone solos and some others in beautiful Roman amphitheatres like the Opera Amphitheatre in Verona and Orange in the south of France and Pula in Croatia and it was it was great. I actually also he asked if there was uh, anything else you know other things one wanted to introduce to any of the songs and there was a track on, on his new album and I did whip out the alto flute <laughs> I did whip out the alto flute and play it on one of his lovely new songs uh, so I got to play that on the tour as well so it was a, it was a, a real treat but people Dave actually plays the saxophone as well doesn't he David does play the saxophone and in fact because I know um, Dick Parry who's the guy the saxophone player who's on all those great Pink Floyd albums he sort of said that once David had started playing the saxophone, that was that was him out of a job because he'd be doing it himself. And he did play saxophone on the tour about ten years ago. Um, but no, he wanted he, st he stopped wanting to do that on the tour and wanted someone else to do it. But no, he plays very nicely, actually, very tastefully. It's a bit like his guitar playing. Not lots and lots of notes, but very tasteful and very melodic and. Uh, interesting, he didn't want to play it on this tour, he wanted to have someone else do it. But yeah, no, it's interesting that he did, he does play. So that's a huge, great felt tip through that item <laughs> on your bucket list. <laughs> no, it was wonderful. So, yeah, a couple of uh, questions that have come in mm -hmm. um, from uh, listeners on the podcast. Uh, first one is any advice on how to improv? Now, I appreciate this is such a wide question, but. Uh, well, I think. I think the thing I would definitely say is don't be afraid of it. I think sometimes people, particularly people who are good players or good classical players or have reached a certain level, they're a bit scared or 
uncertain about suddenly not knowing what they're doing and just just playing without a script or a plan. And I think what you'd have to do is just go for it. I mean, I started improvising very young, and just just what's the worst that can happen? Really, you just have to just have a go. I think what I do with some of my younger students is give them give them a, a limitation. If you say improvise, they kind of freeze like a rabbit in headlights and go, oh, I don't know what to do. If you say, I tell you what, take these five notes, and I give them. Sometimes the minor pentatonics. If I said A, C, D, E, A, C, D, E, G, A, C, D, E, G, A. Okay, so just a basic minor pentatonic, five notes. And you say, okay, take those five, six notes, whatever, and just play them in any order, any notes, any order, up and down, like you're whistling in the shower. And then people go, okay, well, if those are the notes, I don't have to worry about what notes to play. And you just play them in a different order. And all of a sudden, you have broken through the ice of, what on earth do I do? Because you've given them the notes. You don't have to think about the notes. You've been told the notes. But the improvising is, which order do you play them? You can play one note. You can just repeat the one note. You're still improvising. And I think once you've, once you've started just doing some improvising and you've broken through the fear factor, then you're doing it. Then it's just a case of add some more notes. Or you can work through with others. Or if you have a basic scale, you can... You know, play the notes of the scale, changing the order around. Again, if you said, you know, whistle, whistle anything, whistle a tune while you're walking along, people wouldn't freeze and go, oh my God, I don't know what to whistle, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. They'd probably just whistle something. So I think, I think just don't worry about it. Just have a go. And if you're not sure, just take a few notes and just play around with those and then once you play around with those you'll start getting more ideas and maybe introduce something a different scale or something but definitely just just do it I think is the way to start don't don't think you have to have some huge plan and huge you know a script that you have to know and study for years the way to start is just by starting what do they say the, the way to the way to the path is taking the first step or something Journey of, a, journey of a thousand miles, isn't it? Journey of yeah. a thousand miles, how do you start? By taking the first step. So do you think this is very much a flute player thing? Do you know, sax players naturally want to improvise? And flute players are more reserved because they're scared of patterns? They're scared of dissonance? I think... OK, I think, I think probably more flute players, I would guess, have come up through learning classical flute. Um, therefore they're kind of more used to being understanding what they're supposed to do because when you learn flute or go through the grades you you have a you know pattern of learning you'll learn pieces you'll learn scales you'll go through the grades you'll be taught by a teacher you'll be taught what to do Um, saxophone players often even even from the moment they choose to play the saxophone they'll have a picture in their head of saxophone players improvising and solos and all that stuff so it's kind of already on their horizon. And I think that's probably the difference. Whereas flute players, often, often if you learn classically, that won't be in your agenda from the moment you pick it up. You'll think, I'll be learning the flute. So it's probably less, less fear factor in saxophone playing because they're used to wanting to play a solo. Um, and for that reason, I think maybe flute players are a little more hesitant about throwing away the rule book or throwing away the music and just just playing but I think the principle is the same really you just take that first step so would you say sax players are extrovert and flute players introvert 
that's very often. Yes. I think often. I think you know. I think often people pick up a saxophone and it's like, hey, I've got a saxophone. This is cool. And they'll even if they're improvising just a few notes. Again, they'll have improvised a few notes. Whereas flute players often will be will quite happily learn for years and years, and they won't feel the need to improvise a few notes because you know because they're used to hearing flutes playing the pieces that they've been set to play or that they've heard playing or playing in an orchestra etc so they're less used to throwing away the rule book maybe saxophone players more extrovert I've known some pretty extrovert flute players actually yeah (laughs) (laughs) we both have Um, another question from Jenny the north of England actually in York and Jenny asks any advice uh, for a player wanting to pursue a career in music, I am currently studying for my GCSEs. Okay. Apart from don't. <laughs> I think I would keep an open mind about music. I mean, I would think I would, um, yeah, be open-minded. I think apart from all your general studies and doing, uh, learning what you're learning, sort of broadly and, and widely listen to as much music as you can even music outside the sort of music you might regularly listen to um, try and play music outside music you would regularly play so music from different cultures Latin music uh, folk music uh, you know have some fun messing around improvising play with friends if you know anyone with a band sometimes it's nice just to join in um, keep your eyes and ears open. Explore YouTube. There's so much music out there on YouTube, all sorts of different styles and cultures, and you may come across something on YouTube that you would never have thought would have been of any interest to you at all. But you know what? You listen to it and you go, I quite like that. So I think keep an open mind. I think follow uh, the path of music you do like. If it's classical, great, work on that. If you like improvising, great work on that. Um, I would also say, as part of keeping a broad mind, um, learn about learn about writing. So Sibelius is really good. There are other programs for writing. Music technology is good, uh, whether it's Logic or um, Ableton Live or foot pedals. Just just keep a broad mind and enjoy. I think the more you enjoy all the different areas the more you explore about the world of music, the more uh, channels and avenues there will be for your professional music making and things you can do with your music. That's fabulous advice. And I'm just going to take you back to the Theo at the Royal Northern as a sax player. If you said the Theo as an 18-year-old, what you would be doing now, you would never have guessed you'd be doing that, would you? I would never have guessed it. Because I was learning saxophone, I then started studying classical saxophone, which I'd never done before. I'd only done jazz. And so I ended up um, studying classical saxophone at the Royal Northern, which I enjoyed very much. But then, that, you know, I was doing the classical in the course and jazz on my own. But, you know, when I was a young teenager, I was listening to progressive rock a lot. And that's the key, isn't it? And that's the key. I mean, that was the music I always loved as a teenager. And so I went into classical, and then I went into jazz, and I was involved in both. But through a kind of interest, really, and playing with people and enjoying music, I got more into doing progressive rock or playing with people in a more kind of progressive musical area. 
And again, because it's, I guess, what I enjoyed and had a lot to add, that's grown and grown as the, the sort of area of music that I've become involved in. So and I do a lot of kind of experimental progressive music as well as jazz. Uh, the classical's kind of gone out the window. But I love that idea. I love that idea that you're encouraging people to say, OK, get the fundamentals done of your instrument. Get your fundamentals sorted. Play in tune, play in time, learn your scales. You can't... You can't I don't think you can do anything without that. You need to play, you need to get a good sound. You need to know how to play in time. You need to know your scales. But from then on, the, the, the world is your oyster. Really. Just, Sorry, carry on. Just, I interrupted you. No, 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 just don't have any self-limiting limiting factors there. No. Just be willing to explore. I think I think that's super important. I think sometimes people do what they think they're supposed to do, but their heart's really somewhere else. And sometimes, if you explore where your heart is musically, or maybe in other things as well, it actually because you have your heart is there because you have a, a feel for it and an understanding for it. And when you apply that feel as well as the you know the, the technical side of things, you will find that not only can you probably do it well because you love it and your heart's it, but you're going to have more to add in that world than someone who doesn't really understand that air of music but someone's trying to explain they want that sort of thing so they'll try and do what they think someone else wants if you know it's it's this strange phrase getting it sometimes you get a sort of area of music and because you get it you can do it because you have a feel for it and therefore whatever kind of music you like and it can be as off the wall as you like or as left field as you like was right field as you like but if you have a feel for it and an understanding for it you will be able to put more into it and people are going to pick up on that people who work in that area it's surprising sometimes areas of music which might seem very niche or fringe you know in the real world internationally there's probably you know a big area of that music and there will be people who work in that area and you know, if, that, if you have a feel for it, you'll be able to contribute to it. Hey, you might be able to make a living at it as well. Is that, is that possible? <laughs> well, I'm just about getting away with it still, so I haven't quite been found out yet. <laughs> oh, Theo, it's great that you take some time out of your busy schedule to pop along to your favourite cafe this morning. <laughs> How do people find you online? Um, the easiest way is through my website, which is www.theotravis.com. And you can message, message me. I'm always very pleased to receive emails from anyone, anywhere, anywhere throughout the world. Sometimes about music I've done. Sometimes just simple questions about flutes, saxophones, what I do, or a question about playing or instruments. Um, and I answer them all. Very happy to hear from people. So that's the easiest way. Or I am on Twitter and Instagram as well. But it's quite easy to find me. Yeah, I'm on there's one of the big fish in the prog world. I mean, you are you're remarkably approachable via <laughs> direct message, aren't you? Yeah, I don't bite at all. <laughs> no, and I like to speak to people. I like people, so I'm, I'm very happy to talk to people about music and saxophones and flutes and music and whatever, really. So I'll see you on the net. Theo, thank you very much for your time. It's thank you very much. Time. Absolute pleasure to speak it's to always, you. It's always lovely to enjoy a couple of uh, poached eggs with you <laughs> in the mornings. Thank you. Take care. Cheers. Well, as I leave the restaurant, that's it for this Talking Flutes Extra podcast. Thank you for listening. Claire returns next week where she'll be looking at the latest gadgets and gizmos that are on the market. 
So until then, thank you for listening. Have a great fluting week and take care. Goodbye. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.